And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the After Show. My name is Mike Rose. Thrilled to have you with us for a, I, I will say, a very special episode of the After Show. I, I think that's legitimate for this occasion. Number one, we are recording this show within 72 hours of having recorded our previous episode. That almost <laughs> never happens. That, that's, a, that's a degree of, uh, of stick-to-itiveness that we have yet to exhibit in the lifetime of Truth. this podcast. Number two, I am, of course, joined by my partner in crime, my partner in podcasting crime, Ms. Kelly Grumont. <laughs> How do you do, Buckaroos? I'm very glad to be here. But that's not the special part. I mean, it's always special. Let's be let's be clear. <laughs> but what's really special is we have a mystery guest. This is the first guest we have had on the after show, and we are so honored to have him. Uh, and it's not that mysterious if you've been listening to the show for a while. <laughs> Who it might be. Or paying any attention to any of our Twitter views. Uh, there is a... The gentleman in question is a, a very, very talented person and a, a delightful person. Uh, aside from being talented and recognized for his talent and his, and his contributions in the field of television, stage, and film acting. Um, and also, very recently, basketball pitchman. Um, although, although you don't actually pitch things in basketball. <laughs> Mr. Kelly Coin. Kelly, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. This is awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so how much background do we need to give here to make this make this intelligible for our listeners? Um, solid question. Solid question. So <laughs> so people, where might people know you from uh, in your in your ex career today? Uh, if you live in New York, you might have seen me on stage. I do a lot of theater here in New York. But if you don't, uh, then I would say most likely Billions, the TV show Billions on Showtime or the FX series The Americans. Uh, there you go. So, so two two roles on on critically acclaimed, critically acclaimed, critically acclaimed shows. Oh, on we were cable. so. Came last year. It, it was it was the the, the acclamation <laughs> was fantastic, um, but also uh, you you appeared on House of Cards. You've appeared, of course, on as all New York stage actors do on Law and Order, uh, sure. some some power of ten times, um, <laughs> and you've and you've you've done a lot of television, stage, and film work. Um, this past the past two three years have really been a a little bit of a coming out party for you. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I I have the the actor's well honed fear of of saying the words you just said, uh, right? Which is why I, I will, said it, I and you I didn't. Can, <laughs> right, I can say yes, sure, and that I don't think that the um, the gods will will strike me down for my hubris. But yes, it has been nice. Um, I I play the thing I like the most is that I play two really different characters. I play a sweet pastor who just wants the best for everybody else despite the fact that everyone thinks i'm a pedophile all the fans it's um, <laughs> just the wig uh, it's really just the wig talking it is it's a pedo wig it is <laughs> i totally get it i totally get it um and then on billions i play dollar bill who's a hedge fund can i swear on this show yes you can if you need to i'm a hedge fund asshole that's not even and swearing that's, that's not, not even swearing. that bad. no that's, that's not that's that's nbc we can do that um so it's nice to play two sides of uh, of the uh, of the niceness coin, um, and uh, yeah, it's been going well. 
Yes, I've been on for the last four seasons on The Americans and two seasons for Billions. And and I think we'll come back a little bit to, to, to The Americans, to the Pastor Tim factor a little later in the show, because I think we all have a burning question, which is, how is that dude still alive? <laughs> how is that? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> but, but I want to I want to take it to I want to bring of course Kelly Kelly Prime uh, into the conversation as well and talk about the thing that that you two aside from sharing a name and sharing wait, a birth- does that maybe, does that, am I Kelly Segundo or wait what what is the Prime versus what what's the opposite so we're, we're gonna t- we want to talk about a thing that you two have in common which aside the one from, thing no 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 it's like three or four or five five things just look we're, we're on Skype the, the listeners don't know this but we're on Skype so I can see everybody like you have hair I don't like we have we have a name in common we're both originally from Portland but. Well, that's, okay, that's a few things. That's well. That's where I was headed. So you have a name in common. You're both originally from Portland, and yes. you are both uh, putting the fanatic back in fan when it comes to <laughs> your beloved Portland Trailblazers. So let's talk about uh, Rip City and and basketball. Kelly G, yeah. you. Yes. This, I think this started last year with the with the two of you on Twitter, if, if memory serves. Last year's playoffs or last year's season. Uh, or possibly, possibly it wouldn't have been this year's season because we basically were were in hiatus for most of basketball. Most this of year. it, yeah. So um, it was last right. year's season because of recent tragic events. <laughs> that too. As we um, said, right. we've been eating our feelings since November. Been eating right. feelings, yeah. a, a lot of feelings. Um, well, I don't remember how it happened, but I was talking about, um, you know, OMG Blazers, and I think it was like, "Hi, I'm going to talk really fast because we got to get this podcast done because there's a ball game on." You know, and um, <laughs> something like that. And then I think Mike mentioned something about like, oh, you know what? Not only are you not the only Kelly I know, you're not the only Blazer fan named <laughs> Kelly that I know. And that was it. And so that like I, I think he tweeted, retweeted something of mine and like tagged you on it, Kelly. And uh, and that was it. And then we were kind of off to the races. And um, sure. I enjoy live tweeting the Blazer games. And part of why I like that is because there are a lot of other fans uh, in and out of Portland who do the same thing. So um, it's sort of like you get to watch the game with your friends. And totally. that's a lot of fun for me. So. Yeah, and it it completely alienates all the fans of Billions and the Americans who are like, oh, what's he tweeting about? And Because I, I, I never explain. I'm just like, oh, yeah! You yeah. Know, everybody who's watching the game understands, and the rest of them are like, all right, unfollow. Yeah. Mute. Well, I've had more than one person. I try to be good about tagging mine Rip City because I've had a couple people say, I'm really sorry, Kelly, but I have to mute your Rip City tweets. And I'm like, look, if you're not into the Blazers, that's totally fine. I like You don't have to apologize. You could have just done it and not said anything because I never, you and I never have a conversation about basketball it's not a big deal so it's a part of your life and you don't want to have to mute that yourself yeah yeah so i just make sure they say rip city for people who are like oh ball game and then like don't have to listen if they don't want to and i'm i don't care like i'm fine with that because there's lots of people who do so um yeah so i know you and i have been like running commentary about the blazers (laughs) stuff like all this season and i was just for the playoffs and i'm sorry we weren't able to get together next time i'm out there i'm going to try to be out there for a couple extra days um and we should definitely get the drink yes we're drinking together on the podcast and showing each other our cocktails <laughs> this is virtual yes. virtual cocktails virtual um, cocktails first gin and tonic of the season i will say well it's new york- <laughs> oh my god if any of our listeners are in, are in the new york area you you probably know that um yesterday uh friday 
was freaking gorgeous. It was was 72 and sunny, and it was just perfect. It was really, really nice. And then last night, we had a fairly epic thunderstorm. Um, It was amazing. It woke us up, and everybody was screaming at their windows because it was like fireworks. It was like like being inside a flashbulb, and particularly west of the city. It was over New Jersey and and Pennsylvania. It was insane. So what, what is normal after a thunderstorm, after a front goes through, is that it gets cooler, you would think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and today, no, we are well. No, in the old days, in that the old is how days, it worked before before the before the sky turned orange and and right, the, right, and, and the third right. coming of Cthulhu, and the, the, the presidency turned orange. <laughs> That's you know right, <laughs> the orange I, house. I have to blame Al Gore because he's the first person who told us this would happen. So don't you blame the person who warned you? You Isn't really that the way to do it. The it is, yes, shoot the messenger. Shooting of the messenger. Yes, exactly. Well, and also they they have the remake, not a remake. This is the sequel to an inconvenient yes. truth. An in, an inconvenienter truth. Um, so <laughs> inconvenient that, that harder. Inconvenient. <laughs> yes. yes, inconvenient truth part two: the truthening. Uh, die truth harder. Die, die truth harder. Uh, yes, all of these things pointing to the fact that today in New York it is it is eighty two going on one hundred and twenty percent humidity. Uh, oh my god! It's so it's very sticky, and and I was as oh. as, as as at least one. One of the Kellys knows I was at a bar mitzvah this morning, uh, yes. where where the the primary and you know fam these sort oh, of occasions, no. life cycle events. There's always something, and it's it, this was lovely and it was fantastic. And it was a beautiful thing, and we were so so thrilled that we could be there because it's the son of the son of of old 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 friends. And my wife, who's the rabbi, did say as she was blessing the the bar mitzvah boy, she said, "This is the first bar bat mitzvah that I've done for a kid who I met." In the hospital, oh when they my were, gosh! The oh, day that's after beautiful. they were born, it's amazing. Uh, well, that's awesome. So that was lovely. The one source of conflict was the father of the bar mitzvah boy, who's also the temple president, saying more air conditioning, and then later on, people saying we're freezing, <laughs> and then other people saying we're too hot. <laughs> oh, it's no. like, you know what? It just takes a while for everything to settle down. Well, I will all that to out- say, gin and tonic day, for sure. Gin yes. and tonic indeed. Um, I actually went tequila and tonic because I have this awesome orange tequila mm-hmm. that I, uh, 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 who is it? Patron makes it. It's like, they say it's orange liqueur, but it's basically, or it's tequila that is very orangey and uh, okay. saves you a step in margaritas. It's very nice. But uh, if you throw that yeah. in a glass with some ice and some soda stream water, it is a like very that. serviceable beverage indeed. Um, I have the soda stream and my wife is a gigantic uh, tequila fan and, uh, so I'm going to try this uh, Patron Orange. Yes, I will send you a picture of the bottle. It's pretty awesome. Sweet. Um, you. you can do that actually. You can do like an Aperol spritz too, in a similar way. Aperol, Ooh. that bright, that vivid orange liqueur. Oh yeah. With a with a little a little uh, sparkling wine or a little white wine and and soda water. I love the brunch drunk season. I'm so <laughs> happy for the summer coming. <laughs> the thing about I love the soda stream water because it doesn't add the extra flavor. Sometimes you want like tonic yeah. water flavor, but sometimes you just want carbonation. Yep. And so like now that I have soda stream water, I put that in all kinds of stuff like amaretto sour with a little bit of soda water or oh, um, nice. you know, um midori sour, a little bit of soda water cuz sometimes that like it keeps it from plunging over the line to just tasting yeah. like you're drinking diabetes and so <laughs> it's really nice to not have that option so you're basically Show just adding title. a little effervescence to every uh, to yes. every occasion nice look at yes, you yes indeed it's awesome um yeah well and uh 
I can send you a picture of the bar too, like right through that door over there. I, w- I would um, love a picture of your bar. That's awesome. The bar is impressive and uh, and exceptionally well stocked. Um, <laughs> so there is that. But um, I do want to take a moment, since we're talking about cocktails, um, to talk about the show that I'm trying to get off the ground with Jeff Gamut. We've recorded a couple episodes. Um, we're going to record some more, and then we're going to start putting them out publicly. And it's called Mixed Inks. And we're going to talk about comic books, but we're going to do it with a cocktail in our hand, and it's going to oh, be yeah. a themed cocktail. Nice. So um, you may have seen the Green Lantern on my Instagram feed, and the reason for that was because we were recording an episode. So That's fantastic. So are you now, do you have uh, a, a wide variety of comic book interests? Or yes, I know, in, mm-hmm. in, in Skype, I am, <laughs> I'm, for some reason, I'm gesturing at the camera, so my hand looks like five times as big as my head. But um, are, are you a uh, comic book fan? Uh, do you have Describe diverse, your fandom. Yeah. Diverse fandom. Um, comic books. Uh, no, I'm I'm pretty indiscriminate <laughs> for the most part. Um, I I will read anything that's interesting. Like I don't care if it's Marvel or DC. Like that was never a holy war I was a part of. Um, I don't care who the person is that wrote it. I don't right. you know I don't care if they made a movie out of it or not. If it's interesting, then I'll right. read it. So like right now, um, I'm super into and super freaked out by Clean Room by Gail Simone. Um, She's super awesome. Another Oregonian shout out. Um, and uh, uh, there's a st- uh, the new is it the new Star Wars series? I think that Marvel has started is the one that I'm reading. Um, there's a Poe Dameron one that is pretty awesome that I've been into uh, for a while now. That one's gotten really good. Um, and 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 other than that, like I've read comics for a lot of years, so like all right. the old like Chris Claremont era X Men, like that was kind of my jam. Um, like the original wave of Spawn comics, like I was super into that. The Max was awesome, but weird, but heartbreaking, but super interesting, but weird. Um, and like all that kind of stuff, like I like all those all those kind of things as long as it's an interesting story. Like my bar is pretty right. low, so I've been super excited the That's last. That's a good few years. bar, though. Good story. Yeah. That's a good bar. Are you are yeah. you are you are you reading comic books as you're you know while you're while you're waiting for your call time Kelly or are you is it I I have an interesting uh, relationship with comic books when I was in junior high no when I was in grade school there was a guy who had a huge crush on my sister who gave me I was a year younger I still am a year younger but uh, <laughs> I, I didn't surpass her in age um, and he gave me like. 50 Avengers comics. Whoa. Just oh, like, man. And so in, in 1970, I don't know. Mumble, uh, mumble? AD. I don't know. But yeah. I'm, I'm really young. Eh, fuck. No. I just, <laughs> but he gave me. So I became obsessed with the Avengers. Um, but one I does. bought any. And then years later, when I was in college, actually, I have um, uh, I had some friends who were obsessed with comics, and uh, two, uh, one of them became a um, a comic artist, uh, and he's he does sort of journalistic comics. His name is uh, Josh Newfeld, and he did hmm. um, uh, a, a few good hours. I'm so mangling this. I'm so sorry, Josh. Um, a few perfect hours, which were travelogues about of him and his. Um, uh, wife traveling around Eastern Europe uh, oh, right cool. after college, and she actually is a novelist. She wrote a book, a wonderful book called *Girl Through Glass*. It's a great book; everybody should read. Um, but uh, so he it was one of the pioneers of that journalistic comic kind of thing, and he wrote *AD*, 
Um, I don't know the full title of it, but um, because I'm a bad friend, but it was about <laughs> um, Katrina and the uh, Outbreak Deluge. Yeah, that one I remember that. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And then through him, that. I met a buddy, a, a buddy of his from for years, who's become a friend of mine, Dean Haspiel. Um, and Dean actually did. Uh, he does sort of these riffs on superhero comics, and um, he was Zach Galifianakis played him essentially a fictional version of him on the HBO series Bored to Death. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Dean is amazing uh, and does really weird, fucked up, amazing, fascinating, funny stuff. Um, And so my connection to the the comic book world is these guys, even though I (laughs) only really read what they do or what they tell me to. And I love everything. And I love Sandman. I'm obsessed with the Sandman. And I'm reading the... Not as as right you now. should be, as yeah. everyone should be, and that that actually brought me was was something I was going to mention too because I have not bought a comic book other than Free Comic Book Day uh, in a long time. I bought a lot of graphic novels for my kids, and and as as you know, when I have a twelve year old and a sixteen year old who are addicted to comic book to to graphic novels to manga, mm-hmm. everything except you know a traditional single issue comic book, uh, and. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I took them to uh, Kino Kinuya, Kino Kinuya, the Japanese yes. bookstore on... We have one here. It's a chain. Oh, but the, yes. the flagship, or <laughs> I don't even know if it's the flagship store, but it's a big store. I think the flagship might be in Rockefeller Center. This one's in Bryant Park. It's a block from my office. It's three stories worth of stuff. And the third floor is all comic books, manga, and art books. And, and I mean, half the shelves are, are Japanese language books, and the other half are not. And I went mm-hmm. there with my kids and spent a ridiculous amount of money. Yes. On yes, you did. Oh my god! And and they they basically read the books, you know, like it was Attack on Titan or whatever. They read four of four or five of them on the train on the way home. I'm like, we didn't even get home yet. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, yes, it was it was, it was appalling. But I bought. I was I was, I was just gonna say I bought for the first time in several years actual comic books, and they were issue one and issue two of American Gods. Which is yes. premiering tonight on Stars. Neil Gaiman. Neil Stars, Gaiman's right. American Gods, which is premiering yes. tonight on Stars. And Kelly. Carolyn, my wife Carolyn, has read that book and told me I need to read the book. And we have it somewhere. I just can't find it. But apparently it's amazing as well. It is it's astonishing. It's a really good book. It's, it's, it's a rough read. Um, if you are, It's a rough read if you are a person who likes to have your hand held as you are guided through the story. Um, I like physical human but, contact, sure, but uh, <laughs> but could use a massage and a Neil Gaiman was never that guy in the first yeah. place, and yeah. you, you kind of have to meet him where he is. And this one is is a lot more. The reader must expend more effort than you generally have to expend on other stuff. I respect so, that. So um, yeah. it's awesome, mm-hmm. but know that going in that it's not gonna this is not the kind of like you know fun beach read or whatever that they right, say that right. people are supposed to have like this is not that it's awesome it's a great i loved book. it it's a great book. but but it's and not the payoff that. is better because of that if you have to actually yes. spend some effort the payoff is always better like yes precisely. who is the who is the uh, i'm 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 over 40 so i can't remember any significantly God. over 40 right there with i can't you. remember names but what what was the name of the uh 
the uh, legal thriller writer who was so popular during Grisham? the 90s. John Grisham. Grisham. Yeah, Grisham. Like those novels, you get into them in a second and they're fantastic when you're reading them. You don't yep. remember a single thing about them when you're done. And <laughs> no, there's no sense of that. Books. that. They're co- yeah. And that's great. That's great. Nothing wrong with it. Yep. Yeah. But you actually have to, like William Gibson. I know a lot of friends. Yes. And because he doesn't hold your hand. If you, you have to Ooh. get through the first quarter of all the books and just Absolutely. understand that you're not going to get it really. You're not going to mm-hmm. get all the details until about page 50. And then when you do, you're like so locked in. He, mm. Yes. He doesn't have to waste any dialogue because you've gone there. You've done the work. Anyway. And I, I think I think author, uh, authors I think authors build that trust. Well, I don't know where where that came yeah. from. Holy well, cow! I was I, I I extended myself out on further onto Long Island. Suddenly, I don't know where it came from. I think <laughs> authors, as we say here in the in our newscaster voice, the, those people who write them books, they build that trust with you over time. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the one I'm thinking of in this case, since we're talking about genre fiction. Uh, Neil, uh, Neil Stevenson, not Neil Gaiman, but I, Neil Stevenson. I was going to mention him in the back because you've got anathem in the back. Uh, well, that yeah. and that, that's it, it's so weird that I've got that prop here. It actually because that's the book that's the book I was thinking of. Of course, the the listeners can't see. I've got a copy of Neil Stevenson's anathem, anathem or anathem here on my shelf, and this is a book that um, I started three times. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the first 150, 200 pages of this book are incredibly tough sledding. Right. Not not just plot wise and trying to figure out what's going on, but linguistically, like he yeah. actually he 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 introduces many science fiction writers will do this. Will introduce vocabulary vocabulary, or they will they will create dialect, create uh, you know a patois that's part of their characters. Um, nice use of patois. Thank you very much. Um, a creole, if you will, and then. <laughs> And they'll and they'll use that and and that's part of how they build that world that is distinct from the the everyday world that we know. But mm. in this case, it's like it just it made it so difficult to get into the book. And I've given it to my wife Heidi probably you know three or four times, and she consistently cannot get past that hundredth page. And I say, you, you know, you gotta you really have to stick with it because particularly for this book, mm. I mean, spoiler spoiler warning doesn't even begin to cover it. There's an incredible. <laughs> Just an incredible journey with this book that is yeah. is, and I, I I respect that he was able to do it. Um, and I love. I mean, I I'm a huge Snow Crash fan. I yep. I, I love mo- love most, not all, but most of what he's done. And this is just mm-hmm. one of those books where if you can if you can just get over that initial um, hump of getting yeah. into it, it's yeah. such a fantastic payoff. I can I tell you my experience yep. with that book. Exact. I've started it twice, so I think I need to start it two more times. <laughs> one, at least one more. Yeah. At least one more. I Cryptonomicon is still one of my favorite books. Yes. Um, Snow Crash was great. Diamond Age was was great too, yep. but a little bit harder than Snow Crash for me. But I yep. still loved it. Yeah. Um, and then I read Reem D, oh, which was so fun. It was different, and it was Very easy different. for him. Mm. Really, I mean it. For a thousand-page book, it was so easy. It was such an easy read, and it, it was actually a little bit more reactionary in terms of politics when I thought back on it um, than mine would be. Just in terms of guns, I don't, I don't know, I don't. Well, know. guns and terrorism, and, and like there were, right. there, it felt like he. There was a lot of that book has a lot of central casting stock. Yes, and but I enjoyed just in terms of the structure of it, and and. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was like, right, he, he also can write this way. 
I don't know. It just it, it you're saying that, that people build up. Um, they build cred. They build. They, they build. build they, they, they build goodwill. Right. And it was yeah. certainly not by any stretch his best book. Far from it. But it was like it reminded me. Yes, I need to go back to Anathem. I need to go back to Quicksilver, mm. which I got through like 200, 250 pages of, Talk and love slog. Yeah, but oh, the, the no, Baroque but was... the, the Baroque cycle as a whole is just like, oh, what a heavy lift! I gotta get through all these books. But <laughs> even at amazing. all that, yeah, I, I was at I had Sevenses in my hand at oh, um, Seven Eves, at yeah, Owls, or Seven Eves, I whatever, yeah. yeah. Right, you're right. I, I never. I always. I actually said, uh, "Read me." To the, uh, I was like, "Do you have read me?" And he's like, "It's like this guy was like the Simpsons character. It's not called read me. It's called dream day." Um, and I was like, "Yeah, you're right. You're you, right you, to speak to me in the Simpsons voice." You do. Like, <laughs> like when I was pals, because I was just as Kelly, as you both know, I was just out in Portland recently, and I, um, I had like five books in my hand at Powell's, and one of them was Sevens Eves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I put them all back, and I just had a coffee, and I left. But whatever. I mean, I <laughs> I'm eventually buy it and read it. I think I, the thing about Seven Eves is that, and you know, not it's not really a secret that it's about the end of the world. It's an incredibly depressing book. Um, yeah. And I was going to recommend it to my to my kids, to my elder daughter. Anyway, it's like this is an interesting book, and they like they they he he really he really sort of tackles some of these you know, what ifs, but it's also just like, man, do I need this right now? Gosh, must I? <laughs> it kind of feels like the end of the world. It kind of, so like, I'm kind of living through it. Um, the other, <laughs> the thing I was going to say about Rimdi uh, is that I... I think it's, you'll find it's pronounced uh, read me. <laughs> <laughs> comic book guy voice. Bracket, stage direction, comic book guy voice. Um, the thing I was going to say about that book, um, and I did enjoy it, uh, I, I think it suffered for me because I read it not long after I read the extraordinary Ready Player One, um, which is by a uh, guy whose name I forget. Uh, Ready Player One is an incredible, like a great, great, great book for anybody who grew up geeky in the 80s, in the 70s and 80s. It is just, it's astonishing. And it's, and it's in some ways very similar thematically to Reemdee because there is a, there's a big immersive video game that's kind of a core the core of the plot point but where reemdy is like about the people who create this game and the crimes they commit and the things they do and the horrible things they do to one another ready player one is just like it's about the game (laughs) it's like about living in this virtual reality game and it's it it is i found it incredibly immersive and compelling and i can't wait for the movie because it's spielberg's doing it i cannot wait to see what they do with this but i but i think that reemdy did not did not thrill me in that way. I was, I felt like, oh yeah, I have to take this ride with Neil Stevenson, and, and I trust him mm-hmm. mostly, but not all the way. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I did, I did, I remember explicitly feeling that I, um, I was sort of led to believe, maybe it was just me, um, but I was led to believe that more of the story would take place within the game. Yeah, and it didn't. And so, the, and that was the single most interesting part of the novel. And this, so it didn't go there. And then it turned into a, you know, like a like a western or a like a, a stalking novel or or whatever. And there were interesting things about it. And he's a wonderful writer. And so he can make even look. I'm a leftist, but he can make even reactionary politics seem interesting to me. So yeah. I went with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway. Well, it, it's it's 
did I just kill the conversation? No, we were just gonna, we were going to talk about we were going to talk about basketball some more, but but the oh yeah the, the books the books are the books are what we read when basketball is not happening. So um yes. so it is a week now since the since the Blazers um exit, that thing that time the thing we that time that happened it. we don't have to talk about it um but a time who must not be named but uh seriously just oh yeah. It really, it really sort of messed everybody up. I, I can, I can tell. But um, <laughs> as we talked about last and week, by everybody, we're talking about everybody in Portland. Everyone in Portland. Um, if you're just everyone, tr- Mike knows named Kelly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> pretty much. Mike's entire <laughs> Kelly world has plunged into depression. <laughs> it's a whole hashtag Kelly Portland world. And it is, and thank you, by the way, for spelling it properly. Um, the <laughs> thing for me that was the most frustrating about this season. Um, Because last season we had, I feel like last season we were more even, like we had ups and we had downs, but the the spikes weren't as high and the valleys weren't as low. You and me? (laughs) And all of Portland. Rip City. Um, (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I feel like the the Blazers were, they weren't, I don't know that, I mean, good good and bad is, is sort of relative, but they did they were doing reasonably well and when they did yeah. bad it wasn't super suck and when yeah. they were doing well it wasn't yeah. amazing and this year i feel like it was more uneven which yeah. just made it worse when we got a glimpse of greatness yep. and then nothing and then you know or the opposite and when we got those moments it was when we got the moments of greatness it was frustrating and when we got the moments of badness, it was like, well, at least we're not playing that way all the time, you know, <laughs> which which is only, you know, cold comfort at best. Um, so for me, that was sort of how this season went. And then, like, we started doing better. And then, you know, and I'm like, but it wasn't soon enough because we're still going to end up facing Golden State, which is what yeah. happened. And here we are. And, you know, only part of this can be explained away or rationalized away by it's the current iteration of the golden state warriors like who nobody is gonna stand much of a chance against them particularly in round one whoever you are so i don't know that even if we had done better sooner and ended up at seventh and playing a different team so that we didn't have to face golden state right away i don't know that we could have made it through the first round regardless of who we had ended up against I think that's true. I think that's absolutely right. And I, to me, it all has to do with expectations. Last last season, we started with the departure of Lamarcus, who I I know I, I this is not the popular opinion, but I love the guy, and and I, I the way he left <laughs> was not great. I know, no, but I wish but him no ill will. Um, I don't wish him ill will, but here was my hang up with Lamarcus: is that I didn't like how he did it. That was really all it was because he left everybody hanging and like, maybe I will, maybe I won't. And then after he left, we all got the stories about how like he has a wife and children who still live in Texas because he couldn't be bothered to move them here to for, you know, know. as part of Portland. And so like like hearing that stuff, I'm like, his heart was never in it anyway. So I'm not, I don't feel bad. I feel bad that we we're left twisting in the wind as long as we were, and maybe we could have moved on with our day, and maybe circumstances would have been different and something else would have happened. Sure, sure. 
Yeah, I, 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 I don't know how it works behind the scenes. I don't know how people have to play it uh, in terms of, um, like, if he had told the Blazers he wanted to go. Uh, yeah. Or for, I, I don't know. I don't know how it works because I'm not a GM. <laughs> I just, I have a hard time because he gave us a lot of good years. Yes. He gave us a lot of good years. It let it was not yeah. a it was not a good exit. Yeah. But I I, ha, I have a hard time. Like I when I when I watch him play, I want him to do well. Yeah. Because I rem- I have a fondness for him. When yeah. he plays us, I want Noah no. Vonley. <laughs> I want Mo Harkless. I want Damien to fucking block every goddamn <laughs> shot he takes. Yes. But I just want to watch. Like I was so excited to watch him and Nurkic throw down this oh, year. Oh, totally, totally. I know, because like, Nurk, Nurk, oh, like, oh. feast on that dude. Anyway, Do you oh, have yes. the fever? I have to know. Uh, Do you I have the, the fever? fever? Are you okay. kidding? Look, I was. I, I'm never a tank guy because I actually think that that is. Um, no, it's. A we don't want to be idea. Philadelphia. Look what Philadelphia has done for years, and they still suck. And they're. <laughs> and it, it never got them anywhere. No, it never got them anywhere. I, I'm not a tank guy. Make the playoffs, get in the game. We should have we game. should have relegation in the NBA. That's the thing that would prevent tanking. Right? Like you, you get you yes. get sent. You, your entire team becomes D League if you you know if you finish yeah. in the bottom three years in a row. Preach. I don't know if you read if you read Blazers Edge, which is actually my favorite uh, Blazers based podcast. I mean um, uh, website, um, and they have a podcast too. But yeah. Dave Deckard on Blazers Edge has made a great suggestion, which is um, you don't base your draft pick on the previous year you base it on the previous three years oh yes so that it's like if you're going to tank you got to tank for three years which becomes a very dicey prospect financially right. you got to commit yeah and then you're really but if it is a franchise that really just can't it, it can't makes it more likely together. that yes you, yeah. you just can't get a break right um so anyway i uh what were we talking about? Oh, about the previous season. I think yeah. it's all about expectation. We thought the bottom was going to drop out, and we played pretty darned well last year. And yes, that meant that we were thrilled. And this yeah. year, we played overall pretty darned well as well. Now, the highs were higher and the lows were lower, yes. But overall, it was pretty darned well as well. But our expectations were sky high. I do believe that we probably made some mistakes in giving some contracts to some marginal players. Um, but Particularly I, those who let their hair grow? Is that where you're headed? I'm not headed there. I'm not okay. naming names, but I'm not not heading there. <laughs> and also, I'm right here. I'm a bald man and you just mentioned hair growing, so whatever. <laughs> uh, but I, the thing that, that struck me is, because I, I was at games three and four, yeah. If you that first quarter and I know it's about the fourth quarter in the NBA. Absolutely. Yeah. But the first quarter, Nurk as a shell of himself, Yusuf Nurkic for those yes. who aren't Blazer fans, as a shell of himself <laughs> dominated. He couldn't really drive, but he still made it to the basket. He his passes everybody. He was like, and I described him in some other interview as a. Um, he's like a, like his gravity. He's like a giant planet. <laughs> yeah, he has his own gravitational field. He does. He has his own gravitational. Yeah. Field. He's like the Death Star, and all of us. Yes, sudden, everybody else is more open, and even mm-hmm. people finally like they're just they're exponentially better because of him. If he can stay healthy, and if he was yeah, healthy, a whole different series. Oh, absolutely. And so I think... Lost, but we would have lost in six or seven. 
Yes, absolutely. We, we we would have ended up back in in California, I think, without a doubt. But I the thing that has been great about him is that he has sort of stepped everybody else up. And I don't know how many people were fans when um when we first got Wes. But when we first got Wes and he was out on the floor and he would go rip snorting up and down the floor and he was the first person under the hoop on defense and he was the first person down to help set up offense and he was so much hustle and Wes Matthews for people who don't who aren't again aren't Blazer fans let me stop speaking Rip City for a moment um so with with Wes like everybody else sort of had to step up he had a lot of hustle um Henderson did that for us for a while I was sad to see him go for that reason because he had so much hustle and he was out there like really and it felt like he was trying to make a play whatever you know whatever it was whether it was stopping their shot or making our own and he he had this sort of effect on everybody else like the four other guys on the floor were running a little faster or throwing their hands up a little harder or blocking a little more aggressively or whatever it was and I feel like Nurkic is doing the same thing for us and like at first like a lot of people came out instantly against the trade and I wasn't against it I just did didn't get it and I wasn't mad about it or anything I was sad to see Mace go because I like Mace because he's amazing yeah he's wonderful he's a a good player and he was a fun guy like in the interviews and stuff that we saw with him like he had a pretty good personality and I liked getting to see him you know talk about stuff he seemed like a good guy I did like him and I liked him as a player so I was sad to see him go but Mostly, I was just sort of confused because I hadn't really seen anything out of Nurkic because he basically had no mile, no mileage. He had his rookie season and then he, he was, was on the bench. Yeah, because he was on the Nuggets bench like the whole time. So, Nurkic, yeah. yeah, so once we, you know, once he got here and hit the floor and like we could see what he could do, you know, I think... I think that was one of my tweets that the tw- Trailblazers like, the actual Trailblazers account liked was mm-hmm. when I was like, at first I was just confused about the trade and after tonight's game, it makes so much more sense. I totally <laughs> yeah. get it now. Yeah. And, you know, and I wasn't trying to bandwagon or anything, but I'm like, well, who did we trade for? Let's see what he can do. And then we got to see what he can do. And holy crap. Yeah. So I'm super excited about him because I feel like he's going to bring a new, like a new angle on, on anything we can do. We still, I still feel like we're short a player. Uh, yeah. Somehow. Probably. I don't know who, Probably. and I don't know how to get that. I don't know who that is, you know, like, oh, if only we could get Kevin Durant or if only we could get what, you know, right. I had a chance at get... Kevin Durant and that still irks me. But that's I know, I know. But, I, you know, <laughs> and, and listening to the previous podcast, we were talking about you guys were talking about um, uh, a number of those picks that we made wrong. And we did. We got mm-hmm. so many of them wrong. Um <laughs> But lots but, of people did. Like, only one team drafted Michael Jordan. Only one team drafted Kevin Durant. Totally, you know, no, totally. like, and Michael Jordan was the number three pick. The number one pick was uh, was uh, Akeem Olajuwon. Yep. And he was Akeem then, not Hakeem as he is right. now. And we lost the coin flip. Flip. And if we had won the coin flip, the biggest get of that it's not the tragedy is not that we didn't. Although we it was in our power, so that's I guess in some ways a bigger tragedy. But yeah. the tragedy is we didn't get Hakeem. Because Drexler and Hakeem were on Houston. Oh, and they, they were, were a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even though they lost to NC State, that, that was the tragedy. Um, yeah. And no, we should have picked Jordan because we should have had the wherewithal to, to realize that two guys with uh, you know um, uh, crossover <laughs> talents could work together. Yeah. Or to trade one. I don't know. Um, whatever. And Sam Bowie was the guy 
that we picked instead. You know, the yeah. interesting thing about Sam Bowie that people don't remember, he made an all-star team. He was, not, he was not actually a bust. He was That's a very true. good NBA player until he, he was injured. And he had like five seasons, maybe not quite that much. But I actually think he did not make an all-star team until he went to New Jersey um, after we traded him. But we got Buck Williams out of that trade. Buck yeah. Williams. Buck Williams transformed oh. our Drexler Porter drum Kersey teams into oh, a championship caliber team. Yeah. So you think about it, it wasn't Jordan Bowie, it was Jordan Buck. Yeah. Still would have taken Jordan, don't get me wrong. But, <laughs> I, yeah, that's what but... your fans are reduced to. We have to like make all these justifications for why it was well, why our history isn't terrible. <laughs> well, but I I'm still hopeful for next year because I feel like we we made some adjustments this year. We got Nurkic. Um I don't know, you know, I don't know what the future is going to hold. I'm, I'm curious, Kelly, if you would prognosticate a little bit on what you, and they may be two different answers, what you hope will happen versus what you expect to have happen. Well, the thing that when we first traded Mace, the thing everyone said was we're getting a first round pick and uh -huh. we're getting this guy Nurkic. Now yeah. everyone's sort of forgetting that we have a first round pick as well as this amazing prospect in Nurk. So... I would say we have a big three now. As long as they're all healthy, we've got Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and Yusuf Nurkic. That's mm -hmm. a big three. We've got a lot of parts who could be four, five, and six. Yeah. What we need to do is consolidate a lot of redundant talent. Preach. Un unfortunately, with some bad contracts. If we can yeah. get rid of, maybe, maybe, we can, maybe we can offload one. While give, mm -hmm. uh, with the enticement of one of t one or two of these contracts and get something back, yeah. Um, or maybe we can trade up. Maybe three marginal first round picks might translate into a better first round pick. Maybe we can get in the top ten. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. That's my hope. Um, I I do think that the the team is it's amazing that one player can make so much difference because I, yes. I really think we are infinitely better with a healthy Nurkic. We absolutely are. There's no question. I, I, I don't prognosticate except to say that we're going to win the championship next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, but far be it from me to predict well, any. And, and, I, and I just want to say that a second nominee for the title of the show is, is better with a healthy Nurkic, um, which we, <laughs> we may have to go with that one. Um, but then you're also, as as I tweeted to you guys, then it's also uh, it's, it's it's also a dirty possible dirty title. It is a possible. I was dirty. I was going to ask if that's a euphemism. Yeah, D dirty. Yeah. yeah, a dirty euphemism. Yeah, I was going to ask if you're flirting with me, but whatever. <laughs> too late. Too late for that now. Thanks for joining us for part one of our very special episode featuring special guest Kelly Ocoin. It was so much fun, we kept on going, and we will be back next week with part two.